Welcome to Beers and Buckets, the podcast for degenerates like us who love basketball and drinking beer. Part of the P- Basketball Podcast Network where you can get the latest on your favorite teams. What is happening around the NBA and NCAA. Glad to be back. We have another episode this week here. So we're trying to pump out more episodes, especially these conference breakdown episodes. Talking about the Big East today, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the NBA now that it started. Dal, what you see? What did you like? What did you dislike? Uh, Paolo Bencaro is the greatest player of all time. The goat. <laughs> That's why he's the goat. Uh, dude, he, who, who did he? Who was his like big dunk on? Uh, that dude needs to retire do. immediately. Yeah, no, it was uh, fun. Fun. Best. Uh, I think the stat line was like. Best rookie debut since LeBron, which was actually he scored two more points than LeBron. But you know, bet like that's so the the debut was like LeBron went twenty five five and five, and yep. then uh, Paolo went twenty seven seven and something. I I can't remember his full stat line, but just incredible. Uh, obviously, it's against the Pistons, so grain of salt there, but still, uh, incredible, incredible all around. That um. They ended up letting them come back in the game and lost. But Luka Doncic is also just dirty. He had like mm-hmm. a little like up and under kind of like move. But everything he does is just so slow. But it's just completely unguardable. Um, it's it's like he's like going – it's like watching somebody do it fast but in slow motion. And it's just – you can't – like you said, you can't stop it. But it, it's incredible to me how slow he is as far as, like, he's not athletic, but he is. Well, like, he time. is. It's weird, yeah. yeah. <laughs> His tempo is just all over the place, which is what makes him so good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, all right, NBA's back. But, yeah, let's get, jump into the beer review. So what are you drinking this morning? This morning we got Taft's, which is a brewery in Cincinnati. They have, you know, like the Frisch's Big Boy, the yeah. restaurant? They have a pumpkin pie ale that is, I guess, sponsored by Frisch's or something. I don't know. Apparently, Frisch's is known for their pumpkin pie. But it is 6% ABV, 30 IBU. Um, Again, staying on the spooky season theme. Let's... Mm. Interesting. It's just kind of like a beer that has like a little bit of sweetness to it. Mm. It didn't sound that good to me. Not gonna lie. It like, yeah, it's very much a a like ale with pumpkin, and yeah. not a pumpkin ale. Yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Like they're two very separate tastes. Which... It's like they brewed it right next to a pumpkin pie. Get a little hint to it. Exactly. <laughs> You think of your comparison, I'll go ahead and do mine. Um, I'm drinking Ingenious Brewing Company out of Humble, Texas. It's called the Booberry Fluff. Uh, kind of reminds me of, like, you know, the off-brand cereals like Count Chocula and stuff like that. Um, kind of that same thing. They also have Stout Chocula and Franken-Froyo. So this is something I guess they do during, uh, during spooky season, like we said. But um, it's a sour ale with blueberries and marshmallows. So it's 6.8% and 7 IBU. And one of my highest untapped ratings, which was 4.13. So 
We'll give it a try. Oh, four. Yeah. That's. That might be one of the highest we've done ever. Yeah, I think so. Because they're typically around like 3.2 to 3.8. So uh, let's give it a shot. That's real. Okay. This is the best sour ale I've ever had. I mean, it should be because I paid like 21 bucks for a four pack. So, which <laughs> if you think about it, it's like, oh, wow, that's so expensive. But then if you go out and get a beer out to, you know, like when you go out to eat, it's like five bucks a beer. So it equals out. But the marshmallow like counteracts the sour part of the ale. So then you're getting all the, like, it's like you feel like it's going to get sour, but it doesn't. It like neutralizes it and it makes it just really enjoyable. Like, this is well worth it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to finish all four of these and probably go back and try like the stout chocula and Frankenfroyo. If we're going to be honest, worth it. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, I mean, not to be a uh, nail on the head here, but probably have to go like Villanova with this one. Honestly, I don't think I've ever compared anything to Villanova on here. So we'll do Villanova like this year's Villanova team, you know, the loss of the loss of, uh, Jay Wright the sour part is neutralized by the incoming of Kyle Neptune, which is the marshmallow. So there we go. It's, it's working itself out right there. Villanova and it's blue. So it works out, but well happy played. spooky season. Well played. I, so I didn't mean to do this uh, because I picked it based on the name, but it just so happens that this team is on the Ken Palm 2023 preseason rankings is literally the last team in, in the country, apparently. And it's by like a decent margin. Uh, but I'm going IUPUI because it's Indiana University and Purdue University yeah. mashed into one. And it clearly just needs to be one or the other. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about my beer, too. Sounds good. So, all right. The NBA is back. The wait is over. Basketball's back, and so is the tip-off. And so to tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sp- uh, sports betting partner of the NBA, new customers can make any $5 NBA money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. That's five any $5 NBA money line bet, and then you get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. So, Dal, is there any matchup that you're excited to see? Any spreads that you saw that you might put a little... Same game parlay on or any money line bet on? Um, so I really like checking unders on people's assist totals uh, for props. Also, Isaiah Stewart is shooting threes now and didn't shoot threes before. And his three point uh, prop, like make three point makes, has been 0. 0.5 uh, pretty much like all through the preseason and the. Uh, and for their first game. So something to keep an eye on there. If Stewie is going to actually start chucking up some threes, uh, he's that's a pretty good bet. Um, I'm looking at the schedule for today. I, 
I think I'm gonna. I think I might like low-key bet on the Thunder against the spread because I feel like they'll keep games close, but they will not win them. Yeah. So that might be the uh, move. Yeah, that might be the move. You're right. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook uh, with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. So during the offseason, we've been breaking down the top 25 teams in college basketball. Well, now we're getting broader and looking at conferences. And today we're going to break down the Big East and give our projected order to finish our five players to watch our Big East Player of the Year, and our Big East Coach of the Year. And then, of course, like always, we'll end with a hot take. So, Dal, let's talk about this projected order to finish. Who do we have our number one team here in the Big East? I have Creighton at one. They get Ryan Nimhart back. They bring in Baylor Shireman. Uh, they have Kalkbrenner there to be kind of like the centerpiece. And just feel like that them and Villanova, Villanova is my second team. I think those two are the kind of top two. Could see it coming down to one of their head-to-head matchups. Um, but with the kind of newness on the Villanova side with a new coach and arguably their best player being a freshman, uh, just kind of giving the, the slight edge to Creighton. I have Creighton as number one as well. This could be possibly Creighton's best team ever. It's the probably will be the highest preseason AP top 25 ranking in school history. Um, they were 11th heading into the season two years ago into the season. And that was a school record. So I think they'll probably come in at what, eight or nine this season. Um, so there's a lot of buzz around this Creighton team. They're returning a lot. They added a lot. I, I think this is going to be a very good Creighton team and it's going to, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for them. Um, obviously, I'm high on Creighton, and you'll you'll hear that in my pre- uh, preseason or my projected players or five players to watch. But my number two team is UConn, which I know is kind of probably a hot take, but I think UConn. I think Dan Hurley is probably gonna have his best season here in UConn. I think he can reclaim the Big East. I think there's a lot of uh, of good talent on this team, and it's and it really goes with Sonogo. Probably my favorite, probably my favorite player in the Big East, if we're being honest. And then also, I mean, he's the best center UConn had since Andre Drummond, and that's pretty pretty awesome. So, uh, but Jordan Hawkins is going to be really good for them. Uh, they lost a lot of production, but I think they replaced it just as well. Uh, so that with Tristan Newton from the ECU, I think they get it done, and uh, I think they'll definitely. I think they'll be the second best team in the Big East. What do you have as number two? Yeah, so number two for me is Villanova. Um, my third team is the one that's a little bit of a hot take, but kind of talking, I have UConn fourth. They, on the in the Ken Palm early rankings, Villanova, Villanova comes in at first, 20th, Creighton's at 22nd, and UConn's at 27th. So they're all kind of right in that range yeah. of um, being, t- being top 30 teams uh, in that 20 to 30 range. So, I, I mean – I think the top of the Big East is going to be super, super competitive. So you could almost use them, and in my opinion, the the team, the two teams that I have next, uh, is kind of like the that tier where the top five teams uh, should all be super, super competitive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who's your Who's your third team here? 
This is a hot take. As I was say, it's a little bit of a hot take. Uh, this is my the St. John's Red Storm. So I have here. They should have a really, really good defense. I think they'll probably have the defensive player of the year. If it's not Sonogo, uh, the defensive player of the year in Posh Alexander. Uh, they're also they were the fastest team uh, in terms of pace of play on offense last year, which makes me just want to kind of give them a little bit of a nod just because they're so fun to watch because they go so quick. Well, and, and you're also a huge Andre Carbello fan, so that's why you added you brought uh, him exactly, into the top exactly. three. <laughs> He's honestly perfect for that system, though, because he plays like just completely out of control all the time. So the frantic play will do him wonders <laughs> for his his own style of play. <laughs> um, I have uh, Villanova coming in at number three here, and I think this is like. Whatever we talk about Duke, you could also talk about Villanova because they're kind of in the same position here. Um, I definitely – I think they got the best player in this class, honestly. I think they have the most NBA-ready player in this class, and I'll talk about him in uh, in our five players to watch. But he's the best shooter in this class. And so uh, Cam Whitmore there. Um, but I have him at number three, and I think that would be fine, uh, especially for returning. Like, he's not a first-time head coach, but – you know, he's coming back, you know, after a while of he had a head coach position before Kyle Neptune's back and he's going to he's going to be really awesome for Nova. And so we'll talk about him in a little bit more in this episode, but um, I'm not going to spoil anything else. Number 14 for me is the Seton Hall Peacocks. I mean, Pirates, um, Seton Hall Pirates. So, uh, no, the, the Shaheen Holloway. He's right there. Like I almost put him as a, as you know, for my coach of the year. Um, if, but if they finish fourth, he's winning coach of the year. You realize that, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, but I mean, like, I think this is a great team. I think he's a great coach, and it's basically the St. Peter's Peacocks team that made it to the lead eight. So, uh, if you have that nucleus there going and playing, you know, like you have that nucleus there for Seton Hall, that's great. And you also probably they also got a couple of recruits there that you probably couldn't get to St. Peter's. So, whatever you saw him do with, uh, with the uh, with the uh, with the what's it called St. Peter's Peacocks, you'll probably see him do it at an elevated level here in the Big East, and so I think he's going to be here for a little bit. And uh, Tyree Samuel's another guy to watch. That he wasn't in my five players to watch, but he's somebody that I think is going to be really good for Seton Hall. So, who's your fourth I, team? Or I really ahead. like the I really like the uh, kind of conglomeration of the Seton Hall team that he had plus or the St. Peter's team that he had, plus the Seton Hall team that he brought in. I have a a Seton Hall player on my my five players to watch later, too, so I can touch on them a little bit more. One thing, thing, hold on real quick. One thing that I think is interesting now with the transfer portal that you didn't see before is that it really shows who's recruited to a program versus who's recruited to a coach. Yep. You know what I mean? So like Shaheen Holloway, uh, the 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 Moorhead State guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, Todd Golden uh, yep. from USF, you know, like different players, like all these teams are going to, like they're following, these teams that showed out in the tournament are following their coaches when their coaches get, you know, like a, like an, a you know, better position at a, at a better school, right? So like that just shows you the kind of coaches that they are 
in that they're not recruited to a program, they're recruited to a coach, and that that's a good sign if you're one of the fans of those programs that just got those new coaches. So Seton Hall fans get excited because if you have players leaving their school to go to follow this coach, that means he's probably a really good person overall. Yep. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. Uh, one one place that in the Big East that can kind of recruit to both the program and the coach is Thad Mata's Xavier Musketeers. Musketeers, yeah, yeah. Second guess myself there for a second. Pretty sure it was Musketeers. Mm, no, he's Butler. Oh, duh. Who's the Xavier coach? Uh, They're the uh, same color. I'm. <laughs> um. What, what oh, Sean Miller. Yeah, Sean Miller, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, same point goes. Uh, Sean Miller <laughs> and Xavier, I have them at five. You also, I think, have them at five. Um, yeah. I think they're the, like I said, the top five teams are super competitive. I think that Xavier's right there. Who's your sixth team here? Sixth team is the Seton Hall Peacocks slash Pirates. <laughs> uh, and then I have Providence at seven. So I have Providence at six, and I just think they're, I think they're overrated this year. I think the people are going to give them probably bump them up to four or five just because of what they did last year. But you and I broke them down earlier in the off season, and we know that this is like a totally different team. Uh, and so Cooley's luck is running out. So yeah, um, I have. You could say his. You could say his lock is running out. Yeah, that's no luck is when yeah. they brought in. No, Ooh. they are not <laughs> deserve that. <laughs> they are going to be very dependent on how they can get their transfers to mesh because I actually really like Noah Locke when he was at Florida. Yeah. To Louisville, didn't really do a whole lot. Didn't really like, just didn't fit with that team though. And they got Bryce Hawkins, who obviously a bigger group from Kentucky that could do some big things there. Devin Carter from South Carolina. Um, if they can kind of mesh quickly and get up to speed, they could be a, a force in the Big Ten. Yeah, when we when we did the episode on them, we kind of said that, like, if they can mesh quickly, great. This is probably one of those teams that you see the results two, three years from now, yep. which is fine. Yeah. I mean, you will have Noah Locke, but um, it, that's fine. Uh, so, and I think also in Locke's situation, he went to a Louisville team. Like, he transferred to Louisville last year, and then they literally fired their coach midseason or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, it, it, you're going to be in big trouble no matter what. Um, yeah. I have St. John's at number seven here, mainly because of Andre Cabello. But also, I just don't think that they're just that good of a team. Just because you play fast doesn't mean you, you, you win fast, if that makes sense. So, um, prime example is tonight, I'm calling JV offense. We're going no huddle. I know we're going to lose. <laughs> it's okay, though, uh, because I want to catch the defense sleeping. But That's the hard-hitting analysis you come in to the Pearson Buckets podcast for. Yeah, but at the same time, like, just because you play fast doesn't mean you win fast. So, it, you know, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, um, my number eight team is Butler. And the main reason is because it just feels like it's an NIT at best for, for Thad Matta here. Um, I, I'm saving my hot take for him in a second. And, you know, like when we do our hot takes, but he will be the center of my hot take. And uh, they didn't really recruit well. They have one top returning player, which is Chuck Harris. Like he's the best player that's coming back. They they got Eric Hunter from Purdue and Ali Ali from Akron. But like they got like 
two good players from the transfer portal, and then everything else has just kind of been not great. So they didn't recruit well. They didn't even hit the transfer portal super hard. Um, I just it's hard to see this team making the tournament. So probably an IT team. And right now in the recruiting trail, I just don't see them doing well for next season year, uh, uh, next season either, unfortunately. So uh, who's your number eight team? I, I do like the Manny Bates edition. Uh, yeah. From NC State. Yeah. He, he could be one of the better transfers uh, coming in, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where I have them ranked and then we'll see how I feel about your hot take later. Cause I feel like the, <laughs> the two will align. Uh, we're on eight. I have I have DePaul here. Um, got Jalen Terry, uh, their returning point guard. He should be good. Got a transfer from Oklahoma and Umoja Gibson. Um, that should be really solid. Uh, honestly, I think these kind of last four teams after Providence. I think there's the top five teams. I think Seton Hall and Providence to me are kind of like in their own little mini tier. Yeah. And then, these last four teams are teams that I think will be like struggling to make the NIT even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. You can, I, I can argue um, any order here, but yeah, I mean like the order the here really is probably the difference of a game or two, you know, like it's, it's that close in the, in the, instead of fighting for the top, you're fighting for last. <laughs> like, so like I have Marquette at nine and mainly because they didn't get a single D one transfer and they got one, they got one recruit that um, was top 100 and then they got a four star, but they had lost three or two double digit averaging scores there uh, and Justin Lewis and Daryl Marcel. So like when you're losing that much and you're not replacing it with at least transfers or at least two uh, top 100 players. Like their top 100 players, Sean Jones is number 87, and their four star is Chase Rice. They got Ben Gold, who's not ranked, and then they got from a NAI school an 18.7 point per game score in Zach Wrightsill. So they just didn't replace what you know, they didn't replace Justin Lewis or Daryl Morsell. They looks like they tried to by committee, but you can't just replace that kind of production there. Yeah. So. Uh, if Cam Jones can't take the take a big leap, they're going to be in rough shape. Yeah. Um, who do you have as your tenth team here? You got the Patrick Patrick Ewing led Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, same here. I have the same team there. They're this is probably be... Patrick Ewing's last year at Georgetown. For being honest, if he makes <sighs> it through the season, it's going to be bad. They really did get bad. Acock Acock from. UConn, which is a funny in interconference transfer, um, but yeah, well, yeah, they they're going to be bad. I mean, they got. We talked about how how uh, Marquette didn't really replace they they lost three double digit digit average scores, and they replaced it with the eighty second player in the top one hundred, a three star, and just a, like a lot of transfers, but. Nothing of significance. I mean, nothing. Like, ACOC, ACOC, like you said, but that's about it. Also, how many, like, interconference transfers is there in the Big East? Because I feel like there's a bunch between David Jones from DePaul going to St. John's. Yeah. And there's... just crazy. Just absolutely crazy. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, like, I just don't – I don't see this Georgetown team being very well. I don't even know if, if 
Patrick Ewing makes it through the season, to be honest with you. Uh, this is this is not great for him. It's just, I think the only reason he will is he is, what, one of the two biggest Georgetown alums ever from the, the basketball program. So I think that gives him a little leeway. Um, but You want to know his overall record at UConn? Um, I have it pulled up here, so I didn't uh, know it. But do you have the Big East overall record in five seasons, or fifth five seasons Big East record? Yeah, we probably we probably have the, probably same, the same thing. <laughs> Anyways, to the listener, uh, Patrick Ewing is sixty eight and eighty four overall, and he's twenty six and sixty three in the Big East. So not great. Well, let Bob. me do let me do some math there. Um, yeah, that's not good. Not good. Not good. So I think this is his do or die moment and he's probably going to be on the chopping block soon, uh, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, if you're just not a good coach, you're just not a good coach. Um, you should be able to recruit better as a former NBA all-star. I don't understand how you don't, but you know, if you just can't do it, you just can't do it. Maybe you just, maybe just better player than coach. And that's what it's looking like it is. So, um, you lose a lot and you don't replace it well. And that's just not a good, not a good formula for trying to win. So um, my last team is DePaul. We already talked about them a little bit. And your last team is Butler. I just don't think DePaul's that great. They lost David Jones, who was their best player, arguably besides Javon Freeman Liberty, which is the craziest, most patriotic name I've ever heard. Um, he had he averaged twenty one point seven points per game, and then David Jones averaged fourteen point five, and then they lost another Brandon Johnson who averaged ten point five. Their replacement was Zion Cruz, who's a good recruit. I remember hearing his name for a long, long time, but he kind of slipped in the rankings. And then Gibson from Oklahoma averaged thirteen points a game, and then Caleb Murphy from USF South Florida that is from uh, eleven eleven point four points per game, and then they got Errol Penn from. Uh, Long Island, 17 points a game. So they're replacing a lot. I just don't know if it's going to mesh well. And also just losing a 21-point score at the D1 level is going to be really hard to replace no matter what. Um, so, yeah. What do you think? Well, who's your last team? Butler's my last team. I think they're going to be like even worse. And I think the big thing, I think they're going to really, really, really struggle to score points is the big one. I think their defense is also probably not going to be good, but I think for like even Georgetown, whose defense will be bad, I think they'll still score a decent amount. I think DePaul will be able to score a decent amount, but Butler is a weird team where they play incredibly slow and they're also bad, which is just a bad combination yeah. of of things. So I feel like that they will be the the bottom rung tier uh, in the Big East this year. Yeah, I, I think I have them at eight, but I, I could see easily see, like we said, the last like eight to 11 teams, you could just interchange by a game or two, uh, yep. which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. I feel like the top of the Big East is very strong and the bottom of the East is so weak. Whereas like typically like, you know, the top of the SEC is really strong or top of the ACC is really strong and the bottom is just kind of like average. It's unfortunate. It's so polarizing in the Big East here, but um Let's move on to our five players to watch. So, Here, actually, one question. One question before we do that. Yeah. Where do you think the Big East ranks in terms of conferences this year? Oof. Um. I feel like, like I said, their top brings them so much higher than some of the other conferences. 
I'd say it's probably like, um, let's see here. They were fourth I, last year. So it was Big 12, SEC, Big 10, then the Big East was fourth, and they were better than the ACC. I think the ACC is going to be one or two, like right there. Um, I think the, I mean, they have, I mean, how many, we talked about the ACC last year or last weekend. They had what, like we said, they had like six tournament teams, something like that. So um, their bottom yeah, six, is just bad. Yeah, their bottom is very bad, but I think that the top outweighs the bottom there. So I think ACC is probably one or two. I think SEC is probably three this year. I think they're down more this year. I think the Big Ten is going to be better. I think the Big 12 is going to – I think actually the Big 12 dropped a little bit because of all the recruits that they lost to the Big Ten. So I'd say it's probably – they're probably – I think – I'd say put the Big East probably around three, I think, is where I'm going to land with them being there. I I can see four depending on, like, which top – you know, which teams kind of flounder, you know, from the top. But if they they have four tournament teams that are really – they're probably one to three seeds, which I think they – honestly, some of them could be, like, make a three seed there. Um, I I definitely think that they could be, you know, like a top conference there. Uh, but I mean, it's so early to predict to predict that. So um, this is probably going to age very poorly, and they probably have like two teams making the tournament or whatever. But um, same with the big, uh, ACC. But you know, SEC probably going to have like ten tournament teams, but they all get bounced in the first round like last year. So uh, it is what it is. <laughs> um, we'll all call right, that a big move ten on. move. Yeah. Where, well, where do you have them? As, where do you have? Them I as think as they'll probably be the fifth. Game? The fifth. I think they'll probably be fifth. I think them and the ACC are pretty close, like four and five, just because the ACC has so many teams that are not going to be very good that kind of drags yeah. them down overall. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting, though, like, so with with our high school football rankings, they value wins so much that, like, there's a team here that they they were, like, oh, and something last year, and they went this year, and they're they're six and one now. Um, they got a new coach and they, they just really turned around. They got a, the top rusher in the state, whatever, but they lost to another team in our, in our district or in a County that is a really good team that has, um, if you've ever heard of DJ Pickett, that's this kid is being recruited by like pretty much every play, every major, you know, college in the state or in the country. I mean, so, um, they, this Zephyr Hills team is really good. This Pasco team is definitely on the up and up and they like i said they went six and oh until they went head to head against zephyr hills and for some reason that their head to head did not matter because they value wins over head to head in this rankings and i think that's kind of the same thing is like they're going to value wins but if you don't have any like good wins like it doesn't matter so like the acc going like going undefeated the acc might not mean much if you only played like three tournament teams out of it you know what i mean so it is interesting how they what their valuing is uh, but I'm interested to see, you know, what how they value the Big East and and really like what these these Big East teams are doing out of conference. You know, if they show out in the non-conference, then I think they'll be fine come tournament time. So we'll we'll see though. So let's move on to the five players to watch. Um, give us your first player, Dow. Who's your who's your player to watch here uh, in the Big East? All right. So this is just some behind the scenes work. Uh, Connor went first whenever we were doing this doc and he took a bunch of the good players, especially good players from good teams. So I tried to go a little bit down the standings in terms of some of the 
the lesser because lesser god forbid teams. we use the same players but you know well that's yeah that's not fun <laughs> uh so my first maybe one we should just is, make the document first dal instead of me i'm always making hey, the document <laughs> you say that i could do that and i very much could but you know uh, you don't <laughs> i don't i don't at all uh so my first one I'll, I'll I'll stick with my Big East type, and I'll go Posh Alexander. I think he's the go. best defensive guard uh, in the Big East. He's a monster in the paint. Uh, shot almost fifty seven percent from two last year. He gets to the line a ton. He could probably do a little bit to improve uh, on his shooting, both from three and at the free throw line. But I think that he is someone that, if my Big East standing prediction is going to pan out with St. John's being that high. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, and I definitely think he'll be one of the more fun players to watch in the East this year. I agree with that hundred percent. Um, I left him for you there. So there you go. My, my player, one of my players to watch is the Dama Sonogo. He was 14 and four last 18, uh, 14 and four points per game, 8.8 rebounds. And I think 1.9 blocks per game. So, with an improved roster coming in, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be really good. And like a spoiler alert for my Big East Player of the Year, it's probably one of these five, and it's probably this guy. So uh, I think he's just going to be really good. Um, but my number two player, and we've talked about it a little bit, is Cam Whitmore. Like I said, he's the best shooter in this draft class. Uh, he's the number. He, I think he's one of the more NBA ready players of this class. I don't want that to be confused with what I said earlier. I think he said he's the most. I think he's one of the more NBA ready. He's probably top five before, as far as NBA ready because he's really long, um, but he's really strong. He's got a good drive, good handle, can defend on the perimeter. Um, I, there's just not really a whole lot of weaknesses to his game. And he's like I said, he's probably the best shooter in this class, and we know how the NBA values shooting. So if you have an NBA ready body plus a really good shooter, like I think he's going to go top five. Uh, I would not be surprised if he went number one this year. Uh, so um, that's just how I feel about Cam Whitmore. I think he's going to be the one that carries Villanova. But, yeah, what's up? Uh, there's this man. I don't know if you've seen him, but he's like seven foot eighteen, and he moves yeah, Victor like a Wendy. gazelle. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But, like, my thing is I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Whitmore went number one. Probably going to be Victor Wembanyama, but I think Cam Whitmore – has the potential depends on who has the number one draft like spot. You know what I mean? If it's the magic and they luck into getting the number, like they need shooting and they need more NBA. Like they need somebody to pair with the, with Paolo more than they need Victor Wembanyama. But I mean, I would be irate if they took Kim Whitmore over Wembanyama, but okay. yeah, it is what it is. Okay. Uh, but top, top three, I said top five, Markham is top three. Honestly, Kim Whitmore is that good. Um, so yeah, who's your number two player? <laughs> uh, Victor Wembanyama is so good. Um, <laughs> my second player is from a team that we talked about, whose uh, whose coach might get fired, and if he, if my guy does as well as he potentially could, and kind of lives up to that potential um, and gets better, might legitimately save Patrick Ewing's job, and that's Dante Harris. He was the 2021 Big East Most Outstanding Player as a freshman. Uh, he's going to be a junior this year. He definitely needs to get more efficient shooting, but he almost like I say he tripled his three-point attempts. He went from like shooting about 
15 threes to shooting about 45 threes uh, last year, but maintained that percentage as he did it. It's only 33%, so still on the low side. But if he can continue to get more efficient as a as a shooter and kind of round out his game to be to complement the playmaking and the defense that he brings, uh, he could really, really, really help save Patrick Ewing's job. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, who's your third player to watch? Uh, third player is going to be really my only uh, like kind of top team player, and that's Baylor Shireman. Um, Kentucky fans wanted him for a long time. He uh, is the former South Dakota State. Are they the Jackrabbits? Are they the ones yeah. that are the Jackrabbits? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So looking looking at his Kimpom page where they have like conference rank is just hilarious because it's like one or two in essentially every shooting category that he has. Yeah. Um, took 173s last year and shot 46. percent It's the 17th best uh, mark in the country. So he's coming in already to a loaded. Uh, backcourt at Creighton yeah. and should give them a ton of versatility there. He's 6'6", which kind of gives him some length uh, to be able to, for them to be able to play two, three, potentially even four guards and still hold up at least somewhat on the defensive side. So he is, is definitely one of the players that I'm most excited to watch. And he won't be the best player, in my opinion, on Creighton's team, but he might be the most important I agree with that. Um, I have for my third player is Trey Alexander, also from Creighton. He joined them lat- late last year in the recruiting circuit. Like, I want to say, like it was like nearing November. That's how late he joined Creighton. Yeah. He had he had been committed to either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. I can't remember one or the other. Decommitted and then like opened up his recruitment, and they he, they snagged him there late. So it was really late in that he will, he's going to have an increased role in the system. Um, he averaged 7.7 points per game. So that's already pretty good for somebody that joined late and didn't have a huge role. His role is going to be increased. I think he's going to be a top three player for Creighton this year, and I think he's going to be really good. Uh, my number four player to watch is Colby Jones. He's the most versatile player on Xavier's roster He's pro- he's my pick for Big East Defensive Player of the Year. He's super efficient and plays really well in space. So I think he's going to be, like I said, the most important player on Xavier's roster. You're muted, bud. It's so difficult to not be muted. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say one thing on Trey Alexander is he is one of the few guards for Creighton that is has the ability to really put pressure on the rim and get yeah. people into foul trouble, which is going to be really, really helpful for um, for them this year. Yeah. Uh, all right. Fourth player to watch is Kadari Richmond. He is, in my opinion, Seton Hall's uh, best guard. Continue to improve from range. Uh, he's already an elite defender. And he is, I think, either 6'6 or 6'7 and is – a really, really good playmaker for not really being the person that's the main person running the point. Yeah. Which I think it's going to be super, super helpful. Um, especially Shaheen Holloway's offense, just the way it runs, being able to have that secondary playmaker to really move the ball and get some assists. is going to be yeah. huge. Um, transfer from Syracuse was where he was his freshman year. Uh, yeah. So this will be his second year at Seton Hall. Uh, so 
I'm really high on him. Um, I remember Travis Graff was like weirdly super, super high on Kadari Richmond whenever he was in high school coming out. So yeah. Uh, shout out to Graff. Yeah. Who's your last player here as the five players to watch? So actually not a player. Uh, it's going to be Kyle Neptune, uh, the incoming coach at Villanova coming from their system, went to Fordham for a year. Now is back. I just think Cam Whitmore is arguably their best player. They have a ton of talent. Um, I mean, they're going to be a top 20 team, but I think he might be the single most important piece on that Villanova program in how they translate year one with him. Uh, Yeah. He can kind of maintain that Jay Wright continuity and just keep things rolling from where they are. They, I mean, like the world is their oyster. uh, Yeah. Kind of deal. But uh, yeah. So. Yeah. My, uh, my last player to watch is uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner. He led the defensive charge for Creighton last year. He'll carry this team this year. Probably, if I mean, he could rival Kobe Jones or um, Dante Jones, or Harris uh, for defensive player, or not, Posh Alexander for defensive player of the year for the Big East, just because he averaged like like 2.6 blocks a game last year. So you could probably see that increase maybe. You know, that's interesting. That's a, that's a strong number if you're just a casual college basketball listener or follower. So um, definitely a great – I mean, he also could rival some of our guys that we have listed for um, for Big East Play of the Year. So while we're mentioning it, Big East Play of the Year, I have Adam Sinogo. Dal, who do you have for your Big East Play of the Year? Mine – I think there are really only two people that are kind of in yeah. contention here, um, especially with uh, – it's kind of weird that – in a in a sport that seems to be skewing more towards the shooting side, that we've seen Nikola Jokic now win back-to-back MVPs in the in the NBA. Yeah. Oscar Shibway and uh, Amanda Bacot and Drew Timmy were like the three main guys for Player of the Year last year. Um, and I think Adam Sonogo and my pick Ryan Kalkbrenner are the two main people for. Um, player of the year in the Big East this year, and they're obviously both bigs. So, yeah. funny kind of as the game seems to like be opening up more spaces, infinitely more important shooting, all that stuff that we're still kind of in college basketball are relying still on the the big yeah. to be kind of the, the moving force. And I think they're the two best players in the Big East. Yeah, I think that the main thing behind it is that like you need an anchor and you need somebody that can do everything that you know, needs to be done down the paint. So their value is just so much higher than, you know, a wing that can shoot because you could get another wing that can shoot. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's not many people know how to play the center position anymore. So those guys that do it well are very fun to watch. Um, yep. Especially if they do it in a, in a more, more nuanced way than just like being aggressive and being big. You know, those guys are, have finesse to their game. All three well, of those and, guys and- that you mentioned. And they also open up the floor for yeah those shooters. So if you have a guy like, I mean, Sonogo is a perfect example, Kalkbrenner as well, but Sonogo in my mind is absolutely this where he is the perfect person to put in the paint and let four guys be around him. He is so good at controlling his area that he can play with those four guys on the perimeter and hold his own. Yeah. Team which just allows you to have a ton more space. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to the Big East Coach of the Year. 
Uh, I think I already mentioned mine. I think it's Kyle Neptune. But if my projected finish is accurate and Seton Hall finishes fourth or higher in the Big East, then Shaheen Holloway's got to take it there for Coach of the Year, Big East Coach of the Year, which I think is fair. But I still think Kyle Neptune's a really good coach and will do great with this Nova team, like we said. Who's your Big East Coach of the Year? I think the narrative could be something that really helps uh, both Shaheen Holloway and Count Neptune being their yeah. first year in the league. Uh, don't have a ton of support. Mine, got to keep with the St. John's love. Uh, if they finish <laughs> third in the Big East, then Mike Anderson has to be my pick for uh, Big East Coach of the Year. Uh, Not, I like it. I like I mean, especially yeah, if, if they finish third. Yeah, if they finish third, he has to. He has to yeah. have a choice. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. Uh, Big East hot take. So we're we're wrapping things up here. Um, go ahead, Dal. Go ahead and make your make your hot take here. So, if you are a major Ken Palm subscriber, I don't think this is as hot of a take. Uh, just because there are, like you said, a bunch of teams in that like kind of twenty thirty range. But my hot take is that three Big East teams will make the Sweet Sixteen this year. If I was predicting, it would be the three teams that have to finish uh, in the top three there. But really, the, any of those top five teams uh, have the potential to be able to do it. But I think the way that these teams are set up, the influx of talent that they can get that they wouldn't normally be getting on the recruiting trail from yeah. Power 5 programs that bring a level of athleticism. Because the thing with Big East teams even, and definitely the – conferences below this are, oh, when they match up against a team from the SEC or the ACC, they're just out-athleted. And it's not yeah. that they can't, they aren't as good at basketball. It's, they're just like bigger, longer, faster. So the transfer portal and the way that some of these teams are set up, I think they're uniquely designed to be able to kind of negate that part of the, yeah of the difficulty they've had in years past. So I think three, three big East teams make the sweet 16 this year. No, I, I like that. I mean, I could name the three off the top of my head, probably be different than your three, but Creighton, UConn, Villanova. I think those three all could make it very, very easily just with a good matchup there. Uh, not putting St. John's in the sweet 16 though. Sorry, bud. Not, not doing that. Hater, <laughs> hater. Uh, my big East hot take right now. I think the over-under of Thad Matter retiring from Butler is set at two and a half years. Not actually, that's what I'm setting it at, and I'm taking the under. I just think what they're doing, they're not going to be good this year. And Right now, I said, like like I said, they unless they hit the transfer portal hard next year, they're not recruiting well. Uh, Thad Matter, I think, is out of touch. I think the game's passed him by, and I just don't know if he's going to be very effective here at Butler in the next two years. And Butler can't really afford to wait on him, if that makes sense. So. Okay, I was all in on this. Guess how old Thad Mata is? He's got to be in his early 70s. Brother, he is 55 years old. What? That dude looks like so old. Oh, my God. No way. That is insane. I'm shocked right now. Yeah. I'm mad, honestly. I feel like that's like false advertisement. <laughs> You're getting mad at the guy for I'm, aging poorly? He's aged so bad. Like, he's looked like he's been 60 his entire life. Like, 10 years ago when he was coaching at OSU, I was thinking he was, like, maybe in his 50s or 60s. Like, yeah. that's insane. Oh, my God. 
that makes me think they might give him a little more time and that he won't be as likely to retire. Uh, I still think it's, I don't think he's a good coach and I think that's why they pass him by, but yeah. Well then if that's the case, did you say retire or did you say retire or fire? You said retire. Let's say retire or fire, resign. Okay. He is and, gone. And he is gone from Baylor or from Butler in, in two years. I mean, like if you're watching on YouTube, this is bad matter. Brother, he is old. He is old, but he's only 55. I don't. What's your source, Dal? What is your source? <laughs> the source that we were told not to use in high school that was the biggest no, lie no, that anyone has ever told. He's a year younger than my mother, and my mother looks way better, like aged way better than he did. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. Oh, my. This guy. I mean, he looks like Gene Hackman. This means that his first year at Ohio State, he was like 36. I'm, I can't wait to talk to my dad about this. I'm be like, hey, dad, how old do you think Thad Matta is? Turns out you're only four years younger than Thad Matta. Like, that's insane. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Well, well hopefully we all age better than Thad Matta. Let's just end it with that. <laughs> Dude, I don't, that's a very low bar to clean. It's a very low bar. But if you're aging at his rate, you're like, oh my gosh, that's insane. Um, that all right, fair. so let's 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 end this thing here. Instagram and TikTok, you can follow us at Beers and Buckets Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like, rate, leave a review, share this episode. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave a rating. That'd be absolutely awesome. Leave a review. We'd love to he- read it and get positive feedback and constructive criticism, whatever you want to leave. We're, we're fine with it. We're grown men. We can take it. Uh, and then check out the basketball podcast network on Twitter for more shows like this one. Uh, there's plenty of great content. Those guys are awesome over there. So go check them out. Um, this has been awesome. I love doing this conference breakdown. The episodes are really fun. I had a great beer today and I can't wait to go eat so I can counteract it because it was 6.8%. And yeah, and I haven't eaten yet today. So. What uh what what conference are we doing next? Big Ten. All right, Big Ten. Hopefully my beer will be better than it was today and <laughs> I will enjoy it more. Yeah, we'll do the Big Ten. Uh Dal and I have been talking about it. We're trying to get it early next week if we can for you guys. So we'll start pumping out two episodes a week. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, what's up? Speaking of that. Um, if you especially on YouTube, because I know this is a thing, subscribe but and hit the little notification button so that you get notified whenever a new episode drops an episode, because yeah. we have been kind of not as consistent with our, uh, with our episode timings uh, yeah. in the off season as we're doing these. And like you said, you're going to try and catch up. So uh, yeah, just hit that little notification button so that you are getting alerted whenever we post so you can get it into your ears. Yeah. We're about three weeks out from the regular season. We'll be back to a consistent schedule. So uh, look out for that. I'm excited for our Shark Tank upsets and our must plot, must plot, must watch games of the week. It's going to be so fun. I can't wait. So uh, we've got a little, got a little project that I've been uh, contemplating doing that I'm going to try and uh, get set up to, to help with our must watch games of the week. Uh, I love so it. Be on the lookout for that as well. I love it. So you guys have a great week. This has been The Bottom Line because Connor said so. Take care, people. Peace.